0: So put your little hand in mine (laughs) There ain't no hill or mountain
1: we can't climb Babe (laughs) I got you, babe I
0: got you, babe
2: The Incomparable Number 232 Groundhog Day 2015
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the incomparable podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and tonight we're going to be talking about a fine, fine film. Some might say one of uh, the classics, not just of recent memory, but of all time. I might actually make that proposal, but we will get we will we'll we'll take some time introduce some people and, and mention that the movie I'm talking about is Groundhog Day, starring Bill Murray, who is beloved as well as other actors who are less (laughs) Less beloved (laughs) indeed (laughs) indeed. uh joining me to talk about groundhog day are a fine group of people steve lutz hello
1: okay campers rise and shine and don't forget your booties because it's cold out there
0: yes indeed erica ensign's also out there hi
3: hello i sure as heckfire agree that this movie is a classic
4: uh chip Sutterth is also out there hi chip Jason, I'm reliving the same podcast over and over the Incomparable Groundhog Day review today. Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: How did it go in previous loops, Chip? Damn it, you called me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Frakes joins us, who is a, a, an occasional participant in this little podcast of ours. Hi, Dan.
2: Hello, Jason. Occasional.
0: It's good to have you here. Thank you. Do you have a reference for me?
2: Uh, no. Okay. I'm here because my wife hates this movie, and this is the only time I get to talk about it, so...
1: What? Aww. There are people that hate this
0: movie. Dan Needlenose, Dan, Dan the Head. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Monty Ashley is also also here. Hi, Monty.
5: Hi. I can think of a lot of references, but yeah. I have this weird feeling that somebody else has already done them already.
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. In a, yes, <laughs> in a previous universe. So, uh, 1993. Let, let's let's get some things out of the way here. First off, um, that I'm your we- <laughs> I'm I'm your weatherman song. Is um, atrocious and must be. Uh, condemned. I love it. In <laughs> the strongest in words by possible, Harold Ramis incident. Not, not a, not a good song.
3: I disagree completely. I love that song. Every time I hear it starting up, like, I was grooving on the couch. I don't know what Stephen thought I was doing, but I was having a very good time. I enjoy it a lot. It's,
0: it's better when the word, before the words start, but once the words start, it's not. No. I'm your It's man. ridiculous, but no. I,
3: I like
4: ridiculous. It is oh. very much of its time. Yes. There's that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll make you smile again.
0: And then, this was my larger point is it's got the it's got the goofy song. There's so many things in this that would lead you to believe that this is a kind of disposable uh, early 90s comedy, romantic comedy. The poster also with Bill Murray throwing up his hands in a clock, in an alarm clock, as Andy <laughs> McDowell does a uh, sort of Sears uh <laughs> photo studio pose with a fist on her chin
5: really just the existence of andy mcdowell and
0: i and was nana. going to say and then also the existence of andy mcdowell and chris elliott as supporting <laughs> players in this film Le- would lead you to believe that this might not be a film added to the united states national film registry as culturally <laughs> historically wrong. or aesthetically significant but indeed it has so um, I guess that 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 might be where I want to start. Is the
1: credits over the clouds don't bode very well. Oh, the clouds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, you get some stock footage of blue sky with some clouds. It's it there. makes sense later, but it doesn't really get the juices flowing for the film. I don't think.
0: No, well, Erica was was bobbing mm-hmm. and weaving. During that, the, I sure was. As soon as I part. saw those
3: clouds, I was, you know, and I think this is definitely a case of the uh, the, the sum it, 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 greater than the sum of its parts. Because, yeah, if that weatherman song was in a different movie, I probably wouldn't have the nice, fuzzy, warm feelings towards it that I do. <laughs> I forgot it existed, frankly, until oh, I was watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. The movie or the song?
1: The song. Oh, I, I yeah. remembered the movie very well. I know, I know the guitar brown brown
3: part of the song at all. I know the guitar part from the song brown brown
0: because brown brown it's in the ddd menu.
1: And it right. loops. Oh, if you don't play yes. it right away,
0: it just uh, keeps going. You <laughs> <laughs> must have a different version of the over.
1: DVD because mine plays the score.
2: Oh. Jason, do you have the DVD I have, which has like the old, it almost like it looks like an E-World cartoon city.
0: Yeah, that, that might be right. I I have a very early DVD, and then I ha- I just got the Blu-ray last oh, year. So now I have the, wow. now I have the Blu-ray. So
1: oh, the 15th anniversary edition has yeah. a very nice menu with the score over it, and the menu <laughs> is uh, it's, oh, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's calendars, I, 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 and then bow, there's bow, repeated bow. shots of uh, Phil getting slapped. And
2: now oh, that's better. Oh no, I'm old school. I've got a cartoons, the original DVD, cartoon Punxsutawney layout. Map. Yeah,
1: that. yeah It might be yes, worth yes. upgrading just to get rid of that guitar uh,
5: chord. <laughs> I don't suppose we have room for me to go on an hour-long rant about how menus should just not have sound on them at all.
3: Oh, I. I I'd be right there with you. Oh yeah, yeah,
5: yeah.
4: It's so bad. I'm just saying. I watched it on Amazon streaming video on a Retina iMac with Chris Elliott walking around carrying a Beta Cam, and that just <laughs> broke my mind. Mm
0: it is it, it's an old movie now i guess it it, should, this should be old movie club this movie is 22 years old no oh, you're don't t- say that don't no, say that
4: no, no no
0: this yeah i must have gotten the dvd very very early there, there was a blu-ray sale i think conveniently like about a week after groundhog day last year when they, they had run up the prices in advance of groundhog day and then afterward there was a sale and the blu-ray was like seven bucks or something so Ugh. it looks good it looks good on blu-ray the hd version is
2: very nice we need a screenshot of that of the old one, Jason.
0: I do have that somewhere. I, I should yeah. dig. I should dig that awful DVD out because it is—it's it, it's very bad. It's—it's it's so bad. Anyway, the movie is not bad. The, although, although, okay. So, the funny thing about this movie, the remarkable thing about this movie, right, is that obviously Bill Murray is stuck in a time loop. He lives Groundhog Day over and over again spoilers for groundhog day you should go see (laughs) damn groundhog day okay why are you listening to this
5: what is wrong with you if you haven't seen the movie and why do you listen to a podcast about groundhog day and then get mad at us when it turned out to be about groundhog day yeah come on
1: well they thought it was about the holiday
5: yeah (laughs) salute to groundhog
1: day there's
0: like one listener out there who's like why are they talking to me they they, they hate me i'm sorry listener but you should stop and watch and watch the movie. Anyway, what what struck me this time watching it is all the scenes before they get uh, get two punks Tawny seem like like everything else seem like um, out of another lesser movie. The whole he's got his whole weatherman shtick at the TV station in Pittsburgh, where he's in front of the the blue screen doing his. Uh, his wacky weatherman. It's sort of like when David Letterman was a weatherman in Indiana. I think, I I feel Mm. like it's a very similar kind of thing. He's, these are the jokes folks. And obviously the, the anchor woman uh, hates him and everybody else hates him. (laughs) Uh, But it all just seems so it's like something out of a totally different movie. And, and I find it, it must mean something that my brain just completely blots out everything before we get to Punxsutawney.
2: I was watching the, um, the, the director commentary and, uh, Danny Rubin was saying that actually that was never supposed to be in the movie. When he wrote the original screenplay, he wanted the movie to start right where where um, the, the things are happening over and over and over. He didn't want any of the backstory. He didn't think it mattered. And Harold Ramis had to say, "You've got to set it up. People have to like know that this guy's a jerk beforehand, and they've got to know you know what he, where he's coming from and why they're there." And uh, and it was a big point of debate actually between them.
1: Yeah, per the uh, the DVD commentary, Ramis told him for sure that that is the one thing he would not change about his (laughs) script, and it turns out that was the first thing that changed about his (laughs) script, which I think is great, because it it would be, to me, a much lesser movie if it started somewhere in the middle of the – it needs the origin story, I think. Well, it needs the origin story, but as far as
5: I'm concerned, you can start with his first time going through that day. You can rely on Bill Murray to convey that this character is a jerk and no one likes him, just – on the first iteration of Groundhog Day, and certainly in my head, that's where the movie starts. Possibly because everything in that day happens so many times that. Right.
1: But we need we need time to be introduced to the other great characters in this film.
4: <laughs> <laughs> How could we do without the, the the whimsical Andy McDowell playing in front of the blue screen scene? I mean, that's that's. <laughs> uh, well,
5: it helps that there's twelve times as much Stephen Tobolowsky as there is right. anybody else.
0: The I, I would also say something about this that, that struck me was when they get to Punxsutawney on the on on the first. Um, I, I'm also surprised at how perfunctory that is. I think it's an interesting choice that we spend time in the weather uh, weather center or the the newsroom or the and the TV set in Pittsburgh where we learn that Phil is you know not very happy and not very well liked and all of these things and and. Almost no time in Punxsutawney where I, I was wondering to myself, maybe it would have been better to start the movie with them coming into Punxsutawney and setting up Phil as kind of an unpleasant person there. But we never leave the outskirt, you know, the boundary of Punxsutawney because as it is, they get there and, you know, they're they're going to the cheap hotel and he's going to complain and be a prima donna. Right. Prima donnas. Right. Um- <laughs> donna. <Pre-Madonna. laughs> <laughs> and um and she's like, oh no, we're gonna drop you off here. And he's like, all right. And then and then cut to it's the next morning. And I I, I always think like, what what did he do that night? Did he do anything interesting? You know, <laughs> thinking that tomorrow would be a normal day. And the answer is nope, nope, no time for that. Sonny and Cher need to play. Let's just move along. And I think that's a little strange. I wonder if the if the movie might have been uh, better if they had just started in
4: Punxsutawney on the evening of the first rather than having the Pittsburgh thing. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I like the contrast. I like the fact that uh, we do get a little bit of time that's outside Punksitaani where things change and things progress, and then all of a sudden he's in the wormhole and there and there we go.
3: It's also nice to see where he's coming from. You know, he spends a lot of time talking about how he he wants to move on and become, you know, do something better. And he acts like such a prima donna. But we've seen at the beginning of the film now <laughs> that prima he doesn't Madonnas. really have anything to be a prima donna about. He right. is he's a not weatherman. good at his job.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. No, Did he just call himself the talent.
0: He's he's all, well, he's <laughs> he, not only and that is the thing that TV people say. And I always thought it was ridiculous. But the, the best one, right, is that, you know, oh, there's not going to be any snow. It's going to be fine. It's going to miss us. The blizzard's mm-hmm. not going to happen. And, he, it's going and to hit every, Tuna. every day he gets hit with the fact that he made the wrong prediction <laughs> as he mm-hmm. cycles through. He's a very bad
1: weatherman. So, something I noticed uh, for the first time when I was watching this time was that uh, as they drive into Punxsutawney, they pass by the Alpine Theater, which is, a, I presume, the one theater in Punxsutawney. Right. Heidi and, 2. And it's playing, I had never seen that Heidi 2, oh, a family yeah. classic, was the one movie he was <laughs> stuck with. And then, yep. and then it, it turns out later when he's uh, when he shows up at the film with uh, dressed as Clint Eastwood with mm-hmm. the maid, mm-hmm. uh, he, he he talks about how he loves this movie. He's seen it over a hundred times. Mm-hmm. That's the <laughs> film he had to watch over a hundred times. Heidi Two Heidi two family classic. I which, love... which doesn't exist by no, the way. There is no Heidi Two. unless you count the fact that there is a Heidi Two, which is a pornographic German film.
3: But... <laughs> pretty confident well, that's yes. not the family
1: classic the Marquis is referring to.
3: you might explain her costume when mm. he uh, when he takes her as a French maid. That's I just oh, I,
2: I just always assumed it was wishful thinking on Harold Ramis' part. Yeah. You're creating your own world. Someday a perfect there'll be <laughs>
3: too. Yeah. I've
1: always dreamed of. That's right. He could have made a Heidi too. Why wouldn't he do that?
5: Well, he died too soon. <laughs> Taken from us.
0: Oh. One of the great games to play with this movie is to try to guess how long... Uh he Bill Murray spends in his time loop and, and that's one of those moments that gives you a, some perspective on the, the depths of, of how he's lived this life, is that he's he's watched Heidi Two like a hundred times. Heidi Two. And that's that certainly he
1: didn't watch that every night. No. So <laughs>
3: I hate those trivia questions that I see sometimes that asks you know, how many times did Bill Murray live through his life in Groundhog Day? And the answer is always whatever, however 16 many 16 for yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, however many you see on screen. And it's clear that that is not yeah. how many there no are. It, I, I mean, and this is one of the few movies I've ever watched the DVD extras mm. for, because I'm not usually a fan of the VAM, the value added material. Mm. But this one was really interesting talking, I, I think it was Harold Ramis talking about how how dark this movie actually is. The, the number of lifetimes that this poor guy has lived over and over and over again. I mean, I, I, the, when you get to the suicide part, it makes sense.
1: The original script was even darker. It was, he, I, I think in the original treatment, it was supposed to be like about 10,000 years he yeah. had lived yeah. this day. Yeah. Well, just when the we piano. Like, right. is
5: he practicing mm-hmm. the piano one hour a day? Yes. Every
3: day. It looks like. <laughs> and maybe not even every day. I'm sure there are yeah. some days he decided he just wanted to flip cards into a hat. Uh-huh. I, I'm going to
5: assume that's the only song he knows.
2: Yeah, I think that's
5: probably right.
3: Well,
2: he played at the – He played you know, several. Uh, he played, yeah, uh, he played a bunch right. of yeah, different – He <laughs> did improv <laughs> jazz and
5: everything. Well, and it's it just... not improv if you know exactly what's happening to
1: that's everybody oh. in the world oh. at every second. Yeah. Uh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Still, though, no. he had to work on those those yep. those fake improvs you over crack and over the code? and over
3: Comes back the next day, well, I'm going to try a D sharp there. Oh, now I've got something. <laughs> that's right. February 3rd, he becomes the least popular man in town because he can no longer do everything. No. Also, he robbed that bank.
2: I assumed afterwards that he retained all that knowledge. Maybe oh, I'm yeah, sure. optimistic, but I figured he's... Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, okay, he's, let's...
4: He's a god. Let's get...
0: let's, get, Yeah, not the god, just a god. Just and a god. I, I do love that. I love, you know, barking dog. Whenever he's walking through the day where you get the sense that he's just reading from right. the, the script of the day, barking dog, a car, <laughs> and he picks up, the, picks up the bag of money. Breeze. And then when he does that for Rita in the diner, um, and 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 then goes through who everybody is and how he he knows every single fact there is to know every atom of <laughs> everything in this town he knows at this point that's that moment of of you know you think i'm crazy but i can prove that i mm-hmm. i actually have all these things and you realize he has spent literally you know every amount of time you could ever conceive of a lifetime in this one day in this in this one town and he knows it
5: completely that moment reminds me of a video game you've played a lot Where you can walk into the village and say, all right, that guy has this script. That guy has this script. At exactly six turns after I walk in, the king goes over there. Yeah. (laughs) You
3: know, I wondered, and maybe it wasn't meant to be this, but this time I watched it, I was thinking about it. Perhaps, you know, the fact that people want to repeat the same exact things every single day, no matter kind of what he starts to say to them, is Mm -hmm. a commentary on how much people are simply waiting for you to shut up so they can say the next thing that's in their brain.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Or is that a commentary on how podcasts work? Uh, Ah, interesting. Well,
0: having just been on a podcast about a subject that we did a podcast about for The Incomparable and having not listened to our episode about it since we (laughs) recorded it, I discovered that I was saying the same things that I had said on the previous podcast. I just, you know. So I think there's also that of just we're programmed to react. Well, when I edit a podcast, honestly, this is very Groundhog Day. When I edit a podcast... I find myself laughing at things that people say, and I can hear myself laughing at the same time in the same way on the recording (laughs) to the things that people are saying. So... Yeah, that's total. I mean, that that's part of the fascination of this movie, right? Is that these characters he he can he can kind of program them, but they're also they have their default responses and and it, it one of the joys of Stephen Tobolowski and the character is that that is a great that is a great sequence of of reactions that lead to a very funny pun, literally punchline, um, <laughs> where it's like let me try this, let me try this, let me try this, and and there's like I can punch him, I can hug him. There are many things I could do with this guy. Let's see what he does. And that's kind of beautiful because, you know, th- that he's just he's trying to find all the variations of, of behavior from all these people because they will start in the exact same place every time.
1: It does make me wonder after all of the time he spent on this one day, whether after the credits roll The realization dawns on him that suddenly he's got to live a different day and he just falls into a deep depression about the fact that he no longer has the whole thing pegged. He has to to work it out on his own now.
5: He's used to getting up and walking down and turning on Jeopardy and now something else is happening. And (laughs) the first time someone says, hey, there's that guy. What? You didn't say that. Oh, no.
3: (laughs) That's why I meant he becomes so unpopular the next day because the next day on Jeopardy, he's not going
5: to know all the answers. Yeah. This is a
0: totally different episode of Jeopardy. Um, I, I, I think that's why the last couple of scenes in the movie are really important. I think it's really important to see him on the third and to see that he's, and we can get into the philosophy of this uh, later, because I think that's, that's one of the most important things about this movie. But the, uh, when you see him at the end, he's at peace, right? He, he has come to a point where he's, uh, he's at peace he's he's that's that's how he escapes the loop essentially is that he perfects this day and and he moves on and and so i think it's super important that he says i think we should live here you know we'll we'll rent to start you know and all of that and that he seems okay because you're right the other way to view this is that he is a complete wreck because after ten thousand years he's in another day and now he doesn't know what to
1: do and that would be a really depressing ending or third option he now has to live the third over and over again until I've he perfects that. that day. Oh, Groundhog man.
4: Day two. The day
3: after the Groundhog third.
0: Day. The day after Groundhog Day. I D three. Groundhog Day two. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, watching this with Stephen. Stephen's birthday is uh, February third, so he decided that this is one of the cruelest movies he had ever seen because it's, it's always almost his there. birthday and it <laughs> never gets there. Oh. The
1: universe gave him a break. The third was the day that they changed reels at the movie theater.
0: <laughs> Heidi too. Imagine being trapped. See that? I love that. That that joke is there, but it's just sitting there for you to notice. Which is how you're trapped in a town where the only movie you can watch is Heidi Two. and the only TV show you can watch you can watch that one episode of Jeopardy. But he learned to love
1: Heidi too. He did. Mm-hmm. After a hundred plus viewing
0: exposed to anything. That's one of the things you're exposed to anything for long enough to learn all of its nuances like this town that he hates and hates going to. He learns to love it. But after after knowing it properly, um, I, I tried when we do these movies on the podcast, I try to take notes about what's going on. And I, I did like five of them and I, I gave up because this is a movie that's impossible to chart on one level. Mm -hmm. And on another level, I've seen it so many times that I kind of, I know what's in it. So I, I just kind of gave up because it's so weird because once we're in the time loop, It's just, you know, we're replaying events. I always wonder that I assume they shot it where all of the different sequences were just shot in a row because you want everything to be exactly the same. And this must have been a very strange movie to shoot then because you're literally just doing eight variations on one scene for days and then you move on to the next set of scenes. So you're, you know, you're at the at the little gazebo where the where the groundhog is for three days and then you're off to punching ned ryerson for for three days and
2: yeah well ramus said that about that scene with with um phil and ned ryerson where they they had to be careful because every time they, they 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 showed this the scene they wanted the the fog to be the same they wanted the lighting to be the same the time of day so they just you know would get up in the morning and they would do like shot after shot after shot after shot and each time murray would be like well I'm going to be sarcastic this time. All right. I'm going to be, I'm going to hug you this time. And Hmm. they would just keep doing it over and over again. Uh, And then if they didn't get enough shoots um, shots in, then they'd have to like, you know, take photos of the sky and then wait till the next day. It was like that. And then do a bunch more. Uh, But he said, yeah, he said it was actually hard acting because you're like, okay, I got to do it different than last time rather than the same, which is how you usually do when you act. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Very strange. I've been um, minor. This is like, sort of glenning but not really um they they shot this movie in uh, woodstock Woodstock, illinois Illinois. which i've been to (laughs) yes i've been in that town square and it is yeah well right and dan you're from chicago um and it's funny. every time i see it i'm like oh yeah i had a i had a hot chocolate and a and a like donut at that bakery uh that's on the corner there and they they actually have signs now of like raspberry (laughs) this is where this is where uh uh ned ryerson
3: got punched basically <laughs> on this <laughs> corner here
2: this is the puddle
3: my high school used to uh used to play against woodstock's team in tournaments wow sometimes. Yep.
0: amazing you're like famous
3: yeah aren't glenning. i really tripled, yeah like i was ever on triple, a team gl- come on triple glenning, on, guys. Triple
0: glenning. <laughs> amazing so it's a it's a cute little town it's not my, my mom actually grew up next to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, but they didn't shoot it in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Well,
2: once I learned it was Woodstock, I can't see the movie now and think Punxsutawney. I yeah, think I know. Woodstock.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I, I, somebody on Twitter the other night was talking about how um, you can view this movie as Bill Murray progressively gets improves as a human being. He has, a, he has a dip, but he tries to get better. Whereas Chris Elliott, the more you know about him, the more awful he is. <laughs> yeah. He starts off as kind I mean, of yeah. We talked about that
1: on the, apart, uh, but... on the Vol- Holiday Vault episode where this was brought up. And I, I reject the theory because I don't think he changes that much in the movie.
0: No, I, I think it's just revealed to us that right, he's, right. the more we learn about mm-hmm. him, the more awful he is. Right? But the it's worst just...
1: he does, really, he tries to pick up uh, Nancy poorly. Yes. Uh, and then he, he stiffs the waiter on the yeah. tip.
3: I'll get this. And too. that's it,
1: and and then he embarrasses himself at the bachelor auction.
3: Yeah, there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. But that's not that's not really his. That's fault. not, not his just, fault. He's he's an unattractive. He's just man. unappealing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, the way it is his fault. The way that he sort of like tries to you know flex his muscles and dance around yeah. a little bit. That's that's just icky. I wouldn't care if he did have nice muscles. That looks <laughs> stupid.
1: But while I, while I like the idea of that sort of parallel timeline going on, I just I don't see it that much. <laughs> Although I don't think I don't think that. Uh, that Bill Murray actually comes off as that awful at the beginning either. I mean, he's clearly kind of a broken man, but the the worst he does really is he talks a little trash to Andy McDowell, who clearly deserves it. Prima donna. He thinks he's a little bit you know, higher and mightier than he is. He thinks he's the talent. Uh, <laughs> and then he treats uh, Chris Elliott kind of poorly as well. But then again, you know. It's, yeah. Who wouldn't. among us would not? <laughs>
2: exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I have to say, I actually like Chris, Chris Elliott in the role, though. I think he was good for the oh, role. Oh, yeah. He, um, yeah, he works it, very well. In this. He has yeah, one of my yeah. favorite,
0: one of my favorite lines in one of my favorite movies, with lots of great lines. Is when Phil and and the Groundhog drive off the cliff right, right. And, <laughs> in, into the into the quarry, yes. and he says, "Well, he might have survived." And then there's a gigantic, impossible explosion. He says, yes. well, "Well, no, well, probably no, not. Probably now. not. not now. Yeah. <laughs>
3: exactly no, probably not. Now. No, no, yeah. that's beautiful. Man might have survived." I didn't actually want to see this movie when it came out because, for one thing, the trailer made it look ridiculous because it you uh-huh. know, showed scenes of him driving with a groundhog, don't drive angry, yeah. that sort of thing. And oh. then I was like, oh, Chris Elliott is in it? I, I can't stand that guy. I, I oh. refuse to see this movie. And then when it was Andy McDowell, I was just like, nope, okay, I am out. But eventually somebody Smart. convinced me to watch all, it. All the signs were there that yeah. it would be terrible.
5: Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think you guys are not going to be on board for the Hudson Hawk episode or something. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, Andy mm. McDowell.
0: Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about the Andy McDowell problem. <laughs> sure.
3: <laughs> She's in several movies that I really like, but I still don't like her. Like, I love Four Weddings and a Funeral, but I just cannot can't take her.
0: I I I think there are things in this movie that make me laugh because I think they're very Andy McDowell, like like the love of rhinestones, and there are all these things that I think in a, if, if this was if this was Meg Ryan or some other kind of romantic comedy actress, we would be like. Oh, the, like the quirks that Sally has and when Harry met Sally, right? If those were the quirks of Rita here, it would be like, Oh, that's so adorable. And instead they're all so annoying. She likes the French poetry and she has the sweet vermouth on the rocks as her favorite <laughs> drink for God's sake. And and she and she and, 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 she, and, and she wants to toast to she wants like
4: to to toast, toast world to world peace. peace. Oh, and she is God. overcome when Bill Murray says He gives a prayer
1: and so mm-hmm. to
4: world peace.
1: And like she's
4: like, uh, <laughs> up in the mountains,
1: <laughs> high elevation. I do think she's less offensively bad in this movie than most of the movies she's been in. S- certainly. Because in this, she's she's supposed to be kind of a big doofus. So when she turns out to be one, it actually works a little bit. Although she is still irritating. But she does. I think she does successfully pull off sweet.
3: Yeah. Although, although yeah. It is,
1: it's, it's kind of in a too brain damaged for malice kind of way. <laughs> she's but, almost sort of an
4: ethereal pixie dream girl, you know? she's just she's just she's she's there to be an object to be adored i mean she is not really a character yeah you're right you're you're right
0: i mean, there's a, there's a progression there where we learn more about her but i think you're right in the sense that this is not a movie about bill murray learning who she is and appreciating who she is it's it's i mean it's about him perfecting himself by being willing to learn about her not about her her i mean literally she can't grow right because <laughs> yeah Groundhog Day. But um, I, I I, so I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, what, what we really see is Bill Murray learning to appreciate her for who she is, given, you know, what little information he can glean on this one particular
2: day. Well But she, she's also uh, an antithesis for his character at the beginning. Right. And that he's a jerk mm-hmm. and sleazy. And she's, you know, at heart, a good, nice, simple person who who you can't dislike. Right. <clears throat> and it's just kind of like this is. You're everything she's not. That's basically what his character was at the beginning, right?
0: This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by MailRoute. I use MailRoute, it filters out spam viruses and bounced email before it even reaches my mail server. Imagine opening your email every morning and seeing only the legitimate mail that you want and need to receive. MailRoute can make this a daily reality for you, it's not a fantasy. It's real. There's no hardware to install. There's no software to install. It all happens in the cloud. Mail route servers receive your mail, they use their intelligence to sort it. Determine what's junk and needs to not go to you, and then it delivers on the clean email right to your mailbox. It's easy to set up, very easy, reliable. I've been using it for a couple of years now. I find it to be incredibly reliable, and it's trusted by not just me, but the largest universities and corporations out there. As a desktop user, you'll find the MailRoutes user interface is simple and effective. I get a little email with a list of the spam that's been filtered out, and with one click, I can deliver it and whitelist it if they do make a mistake, and they almost never make any mistakes. The accuracy is amazing. If you're an email administrator or an IT professional, they've got tools built with you in mind. There's an API for easy account management. There's support for LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging, outbound relay, everything you'd want from the people who are handling your mail. Start a risk-free trial today. No credit card necessary. Sign up, change your MX records, and your mailbox and hardware are completely protected. It's that simple and effective, and there's no good reason not to try it. All Incomparable listeners will receive 10% off for the lifetime of your account. Go to MailRoute.net slash Snell right now. That's MailRoute.net slash Snell. Stop spam from coming into your email box with MailRoute. And thank you so much to MailRoute for sponsoring the Incomparable.
3: I think the the one thing that bugs me a tiny little bit about this movie is the resolution when it comes to her. Because that last day, for whatever reason, she... Completely falls for him in one day so she's known him for you know she's she's new at the news station but she's been there long enough to get an idea of who he is as a person and then suddenly he makes an abrupt shift and acts different and just because he's nice to everybody else she completely falls for him and it just seems a little bit and i mean maybe that's just she is that sweet and nice and perhaps a little bubble headed that that's the kind of thing that she'll just go for i don't know
1: yeah, the last day is sort of problematic for a variety of reasons, but I think that's the main one. Well,
2: well, and we spend the whole movie with her not falling for that and not falling for him, even when he does everything perfectly right, staged. So and you then could, you could yeah,
0: argue that what makes her fall for him is not him. So it's not him trying to put the moves on her, and then it's not him trying to do exactly what she he thinks she wants to hear. In the end, the thing that gets her is him being in this community. And understanding these people and knowing about them and sort of caring for them and being able to do the right things and being liked by them. And so you could argue that in the end, what wins her over is that she didn't realize that when they go to mm-hmm. Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, he is completely beloved by all the people in the town and cares about all these you know, strangers, essentially. So, I, I mean, I'm not sure I buy that, but that, that's the difference is that it, she's really impressed with how he works with the town more than when he's working on her
3: and i could i i could buy that if they were if they were there for several days but when you think about the amount of time he spends running around mm-hmm. town yeah. making everybody else like him she only really sees him like that at that party scene at the end and then when they wander around town afterwards yeah.
1: so exactly we're we're with him all day but she she sees him in the morning and she sees him again at night and the only thing that really i mean sure all these people are coming up to him and saying well he did all these great things during the day but she doesn't really know what those things are so why does you know and and the other thing is that makes me think that she's really falling for him because he can play the piano because the other stuff is so minor. And that, that doesn't add much to her character for me. Why did he fall for her? There's not Well he fell for her because she's the only one in town that he can't bet. That's my <laughs> that's my opinion. That's your theory.
5: <laughs> so your theory is that there's a whole series of scenes where he has sex with every other person in town? Yes. I like it.
1: Yes. yes. Well, no, the reason for his attraction to her is because she's the only chick in town. He has no chance of boinking.
3: I don't know. He he does say that the first time he saw her, and this is when she's asleep, so he has no reason to lie. The first time he saw her, she changed something in him and made him want to be better. So I think that maybe Groundhog Day was just an, an opportunity for that to play itself out. Whereas if he didn't relive this day again and again, he would have just like quashed that down like we all do with so many good intentions <laughs> and just let it die.
1: He's made up that mythology in his own mind to explain why he... Why he's in <laughs> her but that's not really it it's she's, she's he's, he's been
4: doing this for 10,000 years he's going to get some of the details wrong and uh, about uh, the, when he first met her yeah. oh that's an interesting point.
1: you'll notice for, for all his talk of falling in love with her at first sight he does not start in on her until he's already had his way with half if not all of the yeah. town.
5: Do you think he even remembers what it's like, What February first was like? Does he know his old address? Maybe that's Probably why he not. needs to move to this town.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: like, he has not been a weatherman in a long time, and all the weather has been exactly the same,
0: so he's really out of practice.
5: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know where the studio
0: is. Steve, I'm fascinated by your theory. Do you? Sus- are, are are you positing that um, that. Phil Connors has bedded the the uh,
1: the, the, trio, the trio of old ladies. Yes, he's he's definitely been with them. He's, the Doris he's the clearly Waitress. taken uh, Robin Duke out for a spin. Right. Maybe the old hobo for a bit of variety. <laughs> De- I, Debbie absolutely. the bride. Oh, absolutely. I think Come that on, goes she's, already having, yeah. she's already having questions yeah. about her her upcoming wedding.
0: That, one of the brilliant things about this movie is that we really can. I mean, there there are huge gaps here because this this is not anybody who has that trivia question like Erica said about how many loops uh, are shown. Yes but the implication here is that there is a you know nearly infinite number of loops that we haven't seen that has allowed all sorts of crazy things to happen and i actually like that the movie gets dark in the middle where he despairs mm-hmm. that, that he goes through these various points um in the the process of being trapped in this day, it, it, the learning I enjoy the the uh you know we can drive on the railroad tracks and I can get put in jail and it doesn't matter and then and then I can rob the the armored car and it doesn't matter and yeah the, and then yeah, the and, progression he goes through seems
1: very, very natural, yes, I mean, he gets he's he's confused then he's panicked. Then he's despairing. Then he goes through like a risk-taking phase. Then he realizes he can take advantage of the situation. And then there's a whole segment of him trying to bet Andy McDowell, which seems kind of ill-advised. Maybe he's still in his risk-taking, but, uh, but whatever. <laughs> then he's depressed. Then he's suicidally depressed. Then he finally is resigned and decides he's willing to take a stab at redemption. And that all right. kind of seems like a, a, a really organic Way that that most people would probably yeah. deal with this situation.
0: Well, he snap the moment he snaps where he where he steals the groundhog, right? Which is maybe my favorite thing in the movie. He's like, <laughs> I must angry. destroy Don't the groundhog, and 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 uh, ends up going off the cliff into the quarry. Uh, which also has a fascinating moment that I think may be the only example of this in the, in the entire movie, which is they see his dead body. So the implication yes. there is that the day continues whether he's alive or dead, and then it resets. Oh. At, no, that's at, the at, one after at, he after he, jumps, after jumps, he off jumps off the tower, right? Oh, okay, no, you're door. right. Right. Yeah, so he yeah, have got two there at least. So dead, dead, seeing the dead body. That's fascinating because it's like it's not just his perspective. The whole <laughs> day goes on, but there's nobody there to observe it, and then it and then it resets, which is fascinating. But I love that that he in that in those depths he's um that, that he hits rock bottom and then realizes there's nothing he can do there's like literally nothing he can do to stop this
3: in my dark head i you know i, I fill in extra days like there had to have been times where he went and stole some guns and went on shooting rampages oh, yeah. sure. yes i'm sure Absolutely. it got much much darker but they had to cut that sort of
4: you know you can't put that in a family movie <laughs> when you get right down to it when he's trying to bed andy mcdowell that is actually really creepy oh yeah um, oh, sure. like, oh yeah when, when, he, when he's when he's he's making trying to push all the right and trying mm-hmm. harder and harder it's it gets really damn yeah. uncomfortable for me huh? and i didn't know if i was just watching it with the 24 2015 eyes or if it felt that creepy when when i saw it in the in the theater and i didn't remember it but that's awfully dark Tip, you're still writing 2014 on your eyes <laughs> no no you're right it, no and and it's meant to be
0: the I, the idea there is that he is he is manipulating those situations he is robotically like I, I think it's a chilling scene where um, he is getting he, he's rehearsing what he says
4: to her at the bar, and he's if the he worst says something PUA wrong, PUA the world.
0: Yeah, and he mm-hmm. and he says he says like okay, vermouth, you know, when he's getting and toast to world peace, right? That is super creepy because that and that that's like the phase of of his uh, relationship with her, where there he's just trying to please her and say the right thing, and it and it still doesn't work. The the I love the moment also where he totally. Um, is freaked out and trying to rush through the snowball fight.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the whole Rita courtship exclusively because um, it gives the opportunity for them to show how on the first day as he extracts some new tidbit of information from, from, uh, from Rita, he sounds totally natural. And then on subsequent repeats of the same lines, they sound more and more forced, like he's reading from a script. It, 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 culminating in that that snowball fight scene, where he's in the first scene, he's <laughs> playful and he's having this, the the fight with the kids, and he's. Kind of, you know, it seems like he's having fun, and then he goes utterly manic in the last one that we see.
0: Well, it's a, it's like a video game, right? I mean, we we made this analogy earlier. He's literally just going through steps, and realizes if he doesn't trace retrace his steps, he can't get to the next bit, and it's going to reset, and he's going to have to do it again and again. It's like losing in the middle of a level and going back to the save point, right? But, but so I love the like, acting in that this. in particular; it's so that- great. Oh, you guys,
2: uh, let's throw some snowballs, right? I want kids, lots of kids, foster kids. Are you
0: up for adoption?
5: (laughs) Uh, I'd like to go back for a second because I think one of my favorite things from just a character standpoint is the risk-taking phase. Because so many people in movies get stuck in weird Twilight Zone environments and they never investigate what the rules are of their reality. But he has to and I really – Appreciate seeing a character say, All right, well, let's uh, basically. He has a checklist. Well, what happens if I die? Okay. What happens if I stay up all night? Nope. All right. And he's like defining for himself the rules of his world while at the same time defining for the character, excuse me, defining for the audience what the rules are. Mm. And I would like more people to do that when they're in crazy, <laughs> nutso world, as happens so often in movies.
1: I wanted to say about the repeated scenes where we see things sort of change aspect. I, I think that's, that's a huge um, – that says a lot about Bill Murray's acting capability. Mm-hmm. I think he really does a fantastic job in this. just some of them are very subtle. I mean as he's you know repeatedly coming in and doing the Vermouth and then the world peace thing it's It's just fascinating to me how those those repeated lines he does such a good job of making it clear that hes you know he's just kind of going through the motions of that part because he knows how this part works and, and uh, the other thing I want to say about his his acting in this film is when Bill Murray tries to be emotional. He usually does a really bad job of it. <laughs> he usually either seems like he's he's sarcastic or he's just being straight up psychotic. Like uh, Scrooged, I think is the best example where you know he has his big turnaround at the end of Scrooged, and he seems like he should be locked up. <laughs> and once he's been redeemed, he seems like you know he's totally manic and he's he's frightening more than he is you know heartwarming. But in this movie, he really does I think a really great job of pulling off the emoting. He's he does the um, like, even the, the kind of ridiculous speeches, like the when you stand in the snow, you look like an angel, that comes off as really real.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was completely unaware before this movie that, that Bill Murray was actually capable of that. Even his, little, his long declaration of love for Rita while she's asleep, I, I think that works like gangbusters.
0: Yeah. I'll, 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 although I keep saying to myself, "Oh, if it only were not Andy McDowell that he was talking about." I'm sorry. <laughs> I really point. don't. I really don't like her. I think it's a testament to this movie how much I love this movie that I I love it even though Andy McDowell is the is the uh, the romantic lead here because I don't like her. <laughs> um i don't you i don't, don't say i don't I <laughs> he just, does say repeatedly seriously, seriously. maybe <laughs> it's
3: maybe it's the heidi oh. too effect and the reason that he ends up liking her so much is simply because he spends all that time with her and sure. just gets used to it like everybody else in town maybe mm-hmm. she reminds him of heidi his favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that does make sense she's a Heidi. everything would character. remind
4: him of everything at that point
3: mm-hmm
0: you know, I, I do think this is the perfect m- match of a character to an actor in Bill Murray. <laughs> in Andy McDowell. No, uh in Bill Murray. Uh <laughs> that that you want the the fact that it's the cynical weatherman and that he starts off in a place where he's not he's not a horrible human being, but he's not in a good place. His priorities are all screwed up. He doesn't know what he wants, he's unhappy. Um and uh and then yeah, Steve, you're totally right. He he takes this he takes this journey and and it was really well suited to what what Bill Murray's good at, and then when he gets the the moments where you where he's finally perfected this day um, and shows some genuine emotion uh, that isn't you know anger or <laughs> mania that that uh, that it it uh, it's it comes
5: across well. I agree. And he doesn't become an angel. He's still recognizably no. Bill Murray. Yeah. Like, I, if you walked in and saw somebody playing the piano like that with those sunglasses,
2: eh. well, yeah. In fact, I I, I thought that. That last day, that's one of the other things that always bugged me about the last day is that he's still kind of an arrogant jerk
3: at yeah, the he end. he's he more creepy in right, that last day at
2: that than last he scene, previously. He kept getting better and better and like a nicer guy and everything. And then all of a sudden, the last day, he's kind of like, he's very smug. And that always bugged me.
0: So here's another theory that I have, which is the it's not about the perfect day, right? It's about getting the perfect ending to the perfect day. And he reaches the point where he's he is there with Rita at the end, and is not putting like putting the moves on her. He's happy to be there with her, and has resigned that he's going to reset and he's going to lose everything. And I've if I've got my theory for why it moves to February third, it's that which is that's that's mm-hmm. what gets him over the edge. Is that in the end he's not doing anything in that last moment with her that is that is uh, any of his game playing from before or particularly selfish. He's sort of like... He's content and in the moment. Yeah, he's happy yeah. to spend that time with her.
3: He reaches the be here now sort of mm-hmm. philosophy, the, the Ram Dass yeah. philosophy, which my dad always tells me. He finally gets to that point where he's not wishing it was a different day. He is comfortable where he is. And, you know, it's it's enlightenment in a way. So he moves on. However, throughout none of this, does he ever eat the chocolates on the nightstand? What kind of monster is he? Come on.
0: <laughs> I assume that he's had the, you know, the, the giant uh, the giant brunch or lunch at the diner. Every day. And, well, those are probably
1: fresh know. chocolates on his nightstand. Each night, he's probably yeah. eaten the day, the morning chocolates, and then the maid has come <laughs> in and put or uh, you know yeah. the old lady
3: who doesn't eat the chocolates, chocolates immediately when walking in the room. That I think nice.
1: he's <sighs> had those chocolates thousands of times. You're yeah. broken, right. right. Yeah, he's, he's
5: probably tired of those chocolates. chocolates. He's eaten them a thousand times. He's pooped them out a thousand yeah. times.
1: <laughs> well, no, not if he eats them at the end he of the might day. Might he... actually end up pooping at all for ten thousand years. It's possible. Oh, that's the way, of
2: is going to be Imagine that morning. For, ruin before, this for me.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: Poor Rita. It's almost she as awful as no. him
1: not having warm water for that entire time. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, true.
5: On the Ram Dass note, I really like the idea that this is the story of him learning to live in the moment mm-hmm. when he's been forced to live essentially in one moment forever.
4: hmm Yeah. But he ultimately makes his peace with it, and that's what uh, gets him out of it. Yeah. I think so. Very, I, very Buddhist. What, what, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What, what do you
0: think about um, – so one of the – Obviously, the philosophical implications here are, are are fascinating. What do you think about the choice to have uh, no clear mechanism for him getting in or out of this? I I, okay. I love it, but I I'm just curious. We never there's never an explanation in this movie. It's kind of refreshing to me, but there, there's no. We all just get to make it up.
3: I watched this with Stephen, who had never seen this movie before, and the, the one thing that he said when the movie ended, he threw his hands in the air and said, <laughs> why? <laughs> he, was, he, he was not sure that he could handle not knowing, where to me, that the question the never point. even occurred to me. Maybe it did the first time I saw it and I just forgot about that, but I, I like not knowing. That, that makes it, me it's happy. It's not just why did this day get
1: repeated, it's why did the universe or fate or whatever pick this particular poor schlub for mm. this torturous redemption? Does this happen to everybody at some point in their life, or is it just this guy for some reason? And because you don't know why it started, you get to make up for yourself why it ended,
5: which right. I think makes the yeah. end of the movie much more interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it would to me it would ruin the whole movie for someone to say this is exactly why it happened and why he got out of it because mm-hmm. if you set that up, it, it sort of takes all the mystery out of it. And I don't know. I I, I am like Jason, glad that they never say a thing about it.
3: It would make it mechanical, and I feel like the the beauty of this movie is that it, it really flows. Well, I think it works really well without
5: it. I think it could work with it. Uh, the movie Edge of Tomorrow, which recently came out, the Tom Cruise movie with oh, this mm-hmm. exact plot, yes. is actually really good, and it <laughs> yeah. does have an explanation for it.
2: But it, but that was the worst part of the whole movie, I thought. Uh-huh. <laughs> The explanation was the worst part of the whole Source
0: movie. code is a similar kind of theme, and yeah, I enjoyed that yeah. movie, too. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, there's, a, there's a great um, novel. I'm going to mention it. I think I p- might have plugged it when we did the Holiday of All episode, too, uh, called Replay by a guy named Ken Grimwood. And uh, it's about uh, somebody who... Gets thrown back in time like thirty years in his life and lives it over again and gets to the same moment and then gets thrown back in time like twenty eight years in his life. So he his cycle keeps getting closer, oh. but but he's reliving his a uh, chunk of his life over and over again and ha- and it's from like nineteen ninety or or something. It's, it predates nineteen. 19- or maybe the late '80s. It predates this movie, uh, but it's similar kind of themes. Except there, you've got a much longer time scale, and so you can you can see sort of like how your decisions play out over time, rather than here. Bill Murray has no. I mean, he has he's trapped. He has, yeah. there's nothing he can do that has any lasting impact, which is a little bit different. But I love I love having that that approach, and I do love that that it's completely. Uh, uh open to interpretation it's very clear that he he sets on this journey of self improvement and and he gets out of it um so you know i don't i don't i don't know I, maybe
4: everybody in this world lives through that right i don't know i think that's enough even though our protagonist is an infinite stalker this is a romantic fantasy. Well, and,
5: is, is and he a stalker? Much... If, I mean, he can't leave. So he, he stalks everybody in town.
2: Once yeah, you know everybody. exactly where
5: everyone is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that if I think I don't think he starts out as a stalker. I think he develops into a stalker because he's been on this day. Yes, thousands I of times. Yeah, and, yeah. I'm going to go
5: stalk that guy now. Right? When, <laughs> What's you his get story? Bored,
2: right. You're bored. <laughs> so I'm going to hang out with this guy for the next year Mm -hmm. and know everything about him until i get bored with him so i think it's kind of a developed stalker yeah
4: he probably rummages through everyone's house when they're not home right (laughs) Mm -hmm. well he had enough time to he probably did and you know and that's one of the things that about this movie watching it this is the first time i'd seen it in years and i i i didn't feel as warm and fuzzy about it as i did way back then and i keep coming back to Am I older and wiser now, or am I just, uh, or am I just looking through it through more cynical eyes, or was it, or you know, I, I just, I just don't know. But it is, I do see such darkness in the character that I almost have trouble coming to the end of the movie when he's redeemed and and uh, a. A, a good guy again. Uh, it's well, just... if it
3: helps to think about think about it on on the scale, I mean, throughout somebody's life, you know, say fifty or sixty years, that person is not necessarily the same person that they were from when they were young. You know, maybe they did something terrible in their twenties and then you know redeemed themselves. I don't think I would necessarily judge a sixty five year old person on what they were doing when they were in their twenties. In this case, his dark period could be three and a half thousand years mm. from the end of the movie where he gets his redemption. So for me, I'm able to sort of mitigate it in that way.
5: Yeah, he's certainly burned this town down a few times, murdering everybody. Sure.
0: <laughs> Somebody in the chat room is asking about the boundaries of the magical zone. I think actually one of the brilliant things in here is it's implied that because of the blizzard that hit just out of side, right. outside of town and cut mm-hmm. off all the long distance lines and all of those things, that essentially Punxsutawney is in a bubble. And it's cut off by the weather from the outside world. But it has the net effect of it being that he can't leave town. He is trapped in this time yeah. bubble for eternity, essentially. With well, in,
2: a, in, yeah, in fact, they even say during the movie that the blizzard is basically shutting off all everything from the outside world, but it misses the town completely. Completely.
3: Yeah, even communications, you know, he can't get a long-distance line, which yeah. watching it this time made me giggle at <laughs> <the> long-distance <laughs>
1: line. This could have been a very, very different movie had, his, had the day changed to February 3rd, right after one of his killing spree days. <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. I, yeah.
1: I thought of that
0: every time. Or his death, right? I mean...
1: Yeah. At that point, he was willing Oops. to
0: die because he needed to be out of there. But they have been like, yep. And then it was the next day. Oh, well, we'll never know why he did that. It's the possible end. that
5: there are 10,000 years worth of alternate realities spawned by each of uh, those days.
0: Mm. Very nice. Oh, uh, anybody have any words for uh for Steven Tobolowski as Ned Ryerson? Every this is my kid's favorite thing in the entire movie is when he <laughs> says, "Ned" and punches punches <laughs> Steven Tobolowski in the
5: face. It it
0: am is I right? uh, so Am great. I right? Am I right? Uh, right. Am, I I right, right, am, right am I right or
1: am I right?
5: I think it was probably a bad idea for Stephen Tobolowski to be so great in this because I am certain that for the rest of his life yeah. this yeah. is how people come up to him and greet him.
3: Right. Oh, oh yeah. I know, and I mean, he's been Red. in hundreds of films, and this is yeah. this is you know the, what you're known for on and IMDb. Great. Does yeah. that really yeah. bother an actor to have
1: a role that's so iconic that people come up to you and talk about it all the time? Well, talk about yes, but
5: specifically a character who runs up to people and accosts them. <laughs> right. People are running up to him and accosting him. Yes, you could have true. been playing a memorable, polite character.
0: It's just a great. It's just a great little bit. I love. I love that Ned Bryerson. It's just, it's just crazy. And
1: uh
3: <laughs> watch out for that
1: first step. <laughs> it's, it's a doozy. A
3: doozy. <laughs> I think my other favorite one is one that's that they don't repeat it nearly as many times, but <clears throat> it's a guy on the stairs at the beginning who you know says off to see the groundhog, um, and that actor actually was oh, yeah. at, in a short-lived sitcom called Herman's Head. That's where yes. I remembered him mm-hmm. from, oh, uh, alongside yeah. the voice of Lisa Simpson, and uh, and he Hank Azaria, uh, Molly
5: Hagan. We all know the full cast of yes, Herman's yes, Head. He
3: this is why I love you guys so very much. Uh, he was also in Down
5: Periscope. Anyway. <laughs>
3: yes. Uh, but, but anyway, so that uh, the, the last time where, where Bill Murray gives the, the little speech about it, uh, about it, and he just like the look on his face as Bill Murray walks away down the stairs, like oh, he yeah. he straightens himself up and he just has this big grin. And, and that's where I first really start seeing that Bill Murray is making a positive or has the ability to make a real positive impact on the town. It's even in just a little things like this it works
0: yeah i like the the yeah he the he quotes the french poetry at him and Mm
3: -hmm. that's what it was Mm -hmm. oh
0: man that that is yeah well this is the kind of thing where you look at the cast list and it's and he's man in hallway and you think well that is just like a throwaway it's like nope he's got a lot of stuff to do as man in hallway (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we see that scene, you know a good eight or nine times amazing uh i wanted to throw in a few good words for uh gus and ralph Yes, uh, mm-hmm. Rick Dukeman, who I remember from—I can't even remember—he was well. He was in Spaceballs, right? Was yeah, he not? I think he's one yeah. of the
5: uh, Dark Helmet's dudes. is Yeah, he? and he's
0: and he's in and and Die Hard and a lot of other things. You know, over the over the years, Rick Dukeman and 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 the other guy who I recognize, but I can't think of what all he was in. But I love those guys. Those are the guys. Uh, that, there's the classic line of like, "What would you guys do if every day was the same as the uh, the, the last and it has no meaning?" <laughs> and, then they're, and they're looking
1: at each other like, "That it's... pretty much sums it up for me."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh,
3: that's the most heartbreaking
0: uh, moment of the film, I think, uh, for me. And they, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, I'm I'm too drunk to drive. He's like, "All right, I'll
5: drive you." And then, and then, <laughs>
0: if I they're... wanted
2: to run into into mailboxes, I would have let Ralph drive.
5: <laughs> uh, clarifications: People don't get mad at us. Rick Dukeman is prison
1: guard in Spaceballs. Oh, uh, yeah,
5: that's it. There you go. I just remember him with uh, wacky
1: makeup and stuff and yeah. no one would ever get pedantic about something like that. No, not
0: when we oh, did the no, we never. dropped the Herman's Head reference. We're good for the rest of the <laughs> rest of the episode. Anyway, I love those guys. They're not they're not around much after that, but I, I just I, I love that he spends that time with them in the bowling alley and that they have the it, there's this commentary on how, you know, they're living life as if it was in that loop where it's always the same sort of thing i also like how they suddenly even through their drunken stupor get concerned about them dying as the car chase is going on oh yeah don't drive on the railroad no. tracks
3: uh, that's, that's one what I, I happen I to agree with, with. <laughs> my favorite part of that is don't mix beer and wine ever <laughs> Just, that line cracks me <laughs> up every time let, let me ask you something about the
5: final day all right do you think he robbed the bank on that day no where did he get those mm. WrestleMania tickets?
4: Mm.
3: Well, he might still have a credit card. Yeah. WrestleMania's
4: right. coming. How to did count. he afford the how did he afford a $1000 piano lesson?
2: Well, he some had a huge day. wad of cash, remember? Cuz he gave it he gave it to the old guy early in the movie. So he had a massive okay. wad of cash in his wallet. This
1: isn't 1910, the ATM machines still work. Yeah. yeah oh, well, I don't probably. know. The, li- the lines <laughs> are down no long distances. Distance lines. Line's <laughs>
3: but that's when the blizzard hits. Before yeah.
1: the blizzard, there's 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 no problem.
3: And my right. thought about the piano lessons was that, you know, the first day he goes, he offers her $1,000. If it was me, the next day I would offer $800. Yeah. And see how that, and like, yeah. just keep willing it down until you get to the point where, you know, she's going to say no. And then that's your baseline. And he doesn't for a need day. piano lessons on the last day. But he, he's, no, he
1: has to take them. He has to go oh, no, because so she's so
3: proud of him. You're mm-hmm. right. Right. You're right. That, that poor piano
1: student is so devastated every day. Every <laughs> you know, time. Booted unceremoniously from her lesson.
0: No, you're right. You're right. I, I, uh, I, I don't know I don't think he is allowed to rob the bank and get to the next day I think right. I think he I think it's a good that's a very good question
3: though but I don't think he's allowed I feel like it would almost be a waste of time because he has to sit there for a while watching them doing that and he's got a lot of other stuff to do He'll have it timed out so he doesn't have to spend that time like you play
5: the level often enough you know mm. when the fireball's coming
1: He's got that sweet sweet weatherman money He
5: doesn't need to rob the bank <laughs> He can <laughs> speed run this game Yeah he's doing fine.
1: So something I noticed this time that I maybe I didn't notice before but I didn't pay as close attention to is how good the direction and the cinematography and the editing are uh, I mean there are some scenes here that are just so well done there's that, that super close up shot of the clock numbers turning over which mm-hmm. I think is probably the best thing in the whole movie when it just you know they oh, yeah. actually built a, a model that uh, that they could get up really close clock to radio. of the clock radio as the, as the time changes from 5.59 to 6 and that's, that's a great shot um, I love the starkness of the scene where where Phil is reciting the DJ speech in bed on one of his dark days. He looks so <laughs> utterly haunted as he's saying it's cold out there every day. <laughs> oh yeah, that is so good. <laughs> and, and the the camera's kind of pulling back from him as though it's like re- repelled by his his sadness. And then um I I never noticed this before but he he goes through the whole sequence where the old guy is you know dying repeatedly from old age. And uh, there's the scene where he's trying to resuscitate him out in the snow. And it, the camera pulls back after he tries to breathe, you know, uh, some breath into him. And you can see the steam from that breath kind of escaping on the breeze up into the yeah. air. And that is just such genius cinematography right there. And, and of course, there is an, a, you know, a subsequent breath as he kind of looks around and looks up at the sky as though, you know, why did this happen? But it's so lovely. Well that
0: and that that moment, that whole sequence where he's trying to take care of the of the the old man is wonderful because that's the moment where he realizes that he's severely limited in what he can do. Like there's some things you
1: can't change.
3: He's not a god at that yeah. point. That's that's when he yeah. knows. Yeah. It is a
1: little weird that he keeps calling him father and dad and pop. I know. I kinda yeah.
3: wished he would have gotten the guy's name at some point. <laughs>
1: I don't know that if he, like he can say anything, yeah.
3: Yeah, maybe.
0: Yeah, I like. I lo- I do like the scene where he just keeps feeding him soup. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's really the It gets, really hard, down it gets the bottom. hard
3: down there at the bottom. Oh. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> that's so good. What else should we talk about about this? I, like I said, my notes are sort of like, hey,
3: they just keep repeating things over and over again. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes, too. And and like often happens with these movies that we watch that I love, all I do is end up just writing down all of the quotes that I know and love anyway. <laughs> uh-huh. just... Just because I like him,
2: I'm betting he's gonna swerve first. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, my favorite. Well, one of my favorites is the I've killed myself so many times I don't even exist anymore. Uh-huh. So I think that that is such a plaintive moment. It's just so bleak that it. Which it, the one line captures the mood of all of those scenes right there. Well, that's the annihilation of the self. That is like he has to Break basically accept that he's nothing,
0: and then he can start to put something together but it yeah i mean this is i think that's a really great example of at this core one of the at its core why i love this movie is that it is both meaningful and funny at the same time which is really really hard to do and this movie does it like you know bill murray oh it's wacky bill murray and it is a really funny movie and yet at the same time it it gets really dark and it is it's meaningful. It's about somebody trying to search for meaning and like being given this opportunity that is a blessing and a curse to understand like why, you know, who people are and appreciating other people and and uh that's a you know, that's a perfect example of it's a very funny moment. At the same
1: time, it is a super meaningful moment. There are moments when it manages really a good heartbreak, too, like that after his big heartfelt speech to Rita in bed that first time, when you hear that click of the clock turning over and then oh, Sonny yeah. freaking Bono is back, it's like you're, being stabbed in the gut. You're thinking, yep. he did it. This was all about, oh, oh, OK. Yeah.
3: And, you know, character de- good character development is something that is important for, for excellent films. But I think very few films hang everything on the development of a character the way that this movie does. That's, that's really the whole point of all of it.
4: Yeah, this could have been Jim Belushi and Michael Caine and Mr. Destiny, and it's not.
1: (laughs) Why you got to cheapen this podcast by raising Jim Belushi's name?
5: (laughs) After my repeated Grease 2 references, you get mad at him.
0: Nice. (laughs) I question the ice sculpting lessons. I think that was probably a waste of time. That seems a little odd, doesn't it?
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Education is never a waste, Jason.
3: If you've got that much time, what a cool thing to be able if to do. If there's a
0: chainsaw and there are blocks of ice, why not uh, pay bribe the guy to teach you how to do some ice sculpting? He's going to be sculpting that ice today anyway.
3: And Bill murrays he's actually using the chainsaw at one point, which is pretty oh, cool. Yeah. But he's, he's just kind of cutting, cutting slots into the right, base. but they still they they let him though. use a chainsaw. Mm. And they went back to
2: that like three or four times during the movie, right? Oh, we're back to the ice sculpting again. Yeah, that's a weird one.
1: But the thing is that uh, with all these new skills he's got, you know that you know, on subsequent days, now that he's out of the time loop, he's still going to be kind of a stud. I mean, he's a guy who can ice sculpt and play the piano. And, he uh, can sculpt one head. All right. Yeah. Well, that's just
2: sculpting. No, he made an angel too. You made an angel on an the eagle, right? All right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe got skills now. Maybe,
0: boy, talk about hell. You're trapped listening
5: to the morning zoo every morning, and it's
2: the oh, same no. terrible jokes. Oh, god, and they're that's,
1: really bad jokes. But
5: too. that's what's. It's like listening to a morning zoo in real life, though. <laughs> it's not like they rotate in new jokes.
3: When I read the bust elementary school and high school, they uh, they had the morning zoo on, and I I had no escape. That's okay, awesome. campers, rise and shine. Well, mm-hmm. well, that's what
2: that's what makes that morning scene so have such an impact is that everybody who's ever listened to morning radio is like, yes, this is exactly yeah. how it goes, right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I have a theory that I first noticed for the first time in this one that on his last day. he Something changes before the end because it snows when he and Andy McDowell mm-hmm. are outside. Mm-hmm. And we had never seen that before, which I never noticed in the past. But this time I noticed Bill Murray's reaction to it. When it starts snowing, he looks visibly surprised like this yes. is something different. Mm. So I, I think that maybe at that point he somehow knew or suspected at least that it was that it was finally all over.
5: <laughs> it's because there was a butterfly in South America Also having the same day over and over again. It finally figured out what to do. That's a chaos theory joke. (laughs) That's
3: right. Oh, is it? Thanks for explaining that to me. That's That's why it's so
1: funny.
5: (laughs) Ashton Kutcher is involved
1: somehow.
4: Yeah, huh? The
1: male Andy McDowell. (laughs) They should do a movie
4: together. Oh, okay. Yes, they should. And you complained about me talking about Jim Belushi.
1: All right, (laughs) since other people got to do their favorite lines, I'm throwing mine out Okay, do it. It's a tie for me. It's a tie between... I don't know where you're headed, but can you call in sick?
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what do you say? What do you say? You little brat, you have never thanked me. No. <laughs> I love that bit. The kid just runs away with his big smile on his face. Every single time.
5: I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. Maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One
5: out of ten times, I just let you die.
3: Yeah. yeah. Actually, my all-time favorite line is "Yes, but my father was a piano mover." I don't know <laughs> why. I had an ex-boyfriend oh, who used God. to use that line all the time, and it's just cracked me up ever since. Yeah, I, I'm with
2: Jason. I think my favorite is, well, no, probably not now. <laughs> yeah, that is great. <laughs>
1: he might.
5: He could still be alive.
1: <laughs> that is great.
2: My favorite line
5: isn't one of the funny ones. I just it always gets me when he says "Not today." Like this is my day.
1: Oh, that's right. When he says uh, sometimes people just die. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: That's a great line. Very possessive of his day. More than of his town, I think. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? There
0: There wasn't wasn't one today. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you worry about cholesterol? I don't worry about anything.
2: Anything (laughs) anyway.
0: That's what makes
1: me so special.
3: That scene is simultaneously my most and least favorite scene of the movie because that spread of food there and just of of all of the things that he is able to do in the movie, I think just being able to eat all of that stuff is the one thing that I am the most jealous of. And I don't like what that says about myself, but it's true. I mean, you totally do
0: that. If there's absolutely no consequences to anything, then why wouldn't you do it? because you know nothing's going to change. It's, I mean that that's what the whole movie is about is you could literally do anything and it doesn't it doesn't matter. I can go yeah. jump off the clock tower, doesn't matter.
4: Yeah, I mean watching watching this thing it makes me, you know, wistful about you know wishing I had more time to learn the piano, mm. to learn to draw all that stuff. Yeah. You know, he has the mm-hmm. he has this uh, he, he he's at he gets past the I want to get something from these other people stuff uh, moments and he gets into the I want to learn all this stuff and do all of this really cool stuff. Um, and that's that's the that's the bittersweet thing for me. It's not so much the the the, the, the spread of pastry, but the, the 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 stuff that he gets to do that I will never have all of the time that I want to do.
2: That's one of my favorite parts of the movie is that there's this underlying theme of what would you do if you had all the time in the world? And, you know, and it was never going to run out. Right. Learn
1: to be an ice sculptor. But yeah. there's a limited number of things in the town for him to use as as resources. You know, it's not That's like true. the internet exists, so he can only he can only read the books that are in the library or the bookstore. Yeah, I imagine he's read every book at the library. There's only one diner and they serve exactly the same meal in exactly the same way every single day. <laughs> yeah, he'd, yeah, you'd probably get sick of those pastries pretty quick. We know he did not
5: learn to become a great chef on this day. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one of the things that's funny
0: is that if that if if the diner literally has the same food every day, you could be like, "I want that pastry on the left," because that's the good. That's the good. That's one. the good one. You would, right? know, yeah. you would literally know that that was the good pastry.
1: But even if you order something off the menu, it's going to be made exactly the same way, oh, yeah. unless you run back into the kitchen and and you know throw some salt in there.
0: So, but I do like the idea that you might have a favorite donut. Like that one, that's that, the, that's good, the donut. good donut. You got to get that donut, but you got to get it right away because then this other guy is going to order that donut if you don't get in line right away. So you got to get that donut before he does. I like that. The perfect donut. That, I can wait that's on the pastry.
1: Nobody ever orders the pastry.
0: No, it, it's going to be there at the end of the day. They, they'll, give it, they'll give it to you at the end of the day if you come in. That's it's right. a certain thing, they just give it to you. That, that is the, the meaning of this movie. The true meaning of this movie is if you understand all the food at the diner, then you can finally be at peace. You're right. He's a total mess on February 3rd, isn't
1: he? <laughs> oh, yeah. And probably for weeks or months afterwards, he's, he's a mess.
5: Like People are saying things I don't expect and don't understand. He's probably going to get hit by a car because he's not even used to looking both ways when crossing That's, the street because yeah. he I'm knows where all the cars right. are. That's why he needs Rita. Rita needs to take care of him. Yeah.
3: She strikes me as the kind of person who'd be okay with
0: that.
4: With her sweet vermouth on the ice. Just buy her some rhinestones. She'll be happy. <laughs> This this conversation we've we've spent a lot of time you know dissecting and cutting way deep into this and finding all the darkest res- recesses of this movie. Welcome to the incomparable Chip. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about dark recesses here. We we've poked all kinds of holes in the redemption arc, and still we love the redemption arc. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's
0: true. It, it feels true true to itself. Uh, even even though, well, I think we can ask questions about it because there's a lot in this that is. Um, Open to interpretation, but I think it at its core it is true. It is true to itself. It, it, it is you can overlook because it's so kind of hazy and weird. You can overlook uh, some of the the specifics and just you know I I don't I can't watch this movie without feeling like it is it it is earned the the journey that it
1: takes. Mm-hmm. I think the thing for me is that uh, every single person has a certain amount of darkness in them. And if you found yourself in this situation, you know, maybe not you specifically, but I think a lot of people would go through and do some of the same awful things that he finds himself going through you know, <laughs> Absolutely. just to pass the time. If not, you know, yeah.
5: all I know is
1: sometimes when I'm dreaming,
5: I realize I'm dreaming. And in the lucid dream state, when I realize, <laughs> oh, I can do anything and the world is completely controlled by my imagination. Is it good things you do, Monty?
1: Sometimes. Do you do nice things <laughs> for people? <laughs> sometimes (laughs) sure (laughs) why not clean not at all dirty things
0: (laughs) i i do it's a terrible thing that he does early in the movie but i do enjoy his strategy with nancy just because Mm -hmm. it's the it is that question of like well this is something you can do because there are no consequences when he just when he just asks her the questions and he's like very businesslike, and she's like, well, No, no, no! Just tell, just tell me." And then you flip it, and and he's acting like he knows her, and and he goes from there. And I, that's really amusing, even though again, it is
1: skeezy. I do find it highly unlikely that she would believe that she shared a twelfth grade class with Bill Murray. Though. I know, but she just goes no, along. I with don't. It, right? She looks about a third his age.
3: I, I, I'm. I don't believe I don't remember most of the people that I was in high school with somebody could absolutely do that yeah. to me and I would just buy it so but
1: they wouldn't they wouldn't look three times your age more than likely but, but here's the thing <laughs> if, you, if you know all the this
0: is the argument it's like that Um, there was that study where they had the uh the person the, the, who's behind a, a receptionist desk and um when you weren't looking uh, they, they they dropped under the desk and a different person popped up and they continued right. the conversation <laughs> and most people had no idea that the person was different because their brain just wasn't even tracking who this person was. They weren't paying attention to it. I feel like it's a little bit like that. It's like, if you've got these key facts, that unlocks the key. And you're like, all right, well, I guess. How how else could you know? You must have been there. You know, you, you haven't aged well, I guess, but you must have been in my class. So I I, I took that on right
3: and while that's not the that's not the 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 nicest way to pick somebody up i don't really feel that that one is necessarily too terrible because i mean she it's not like he does anything too weird he just says he knows some things and she completely goes along with it and is you know apparently has a good time so it does seem to take only one shot with
1: nancy so perhaps she's not the most nancy's more accessible
0: She's, yeah, yes.
3: she's She is comfortable <laughs> in her own sexuality and good there for go. her.
1: Yeah, he just needs he just needs to uh, get the right icebreaker. You got to wonder how many t- nights it took him to get the chipmunk noises. there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I you know, I wonder if he even needed to bother with that. I mean, she just seemed like she was she's a pretty cool girl. So maybe he could have just had some honest fun with her. But he wasn't at that point in his journey at the beginning. So
1: and maybe he did later. Maybe maybe he tried the, uh, the the real approach later on.
0: I'd like to think maybe Nancy mm-hmm. maybe Nancy was like a little bit of a vacation for him. Every now and then he'd be like, "Hi, oh, I've been <laughs> I've been doing a lot of ice sculpting and piano <laughs> lessons and reading books at the library.
1: I'm going to take a Nancy day now. Just hang <laughs> out with Nancy a little bit. Yeah, tonight's a fat guy at the hotel kind of night. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight it's Jeopardy with the old people and throwing <laughs> cards in a hat. I'm feeling down. <laughs> I like the fact that he takes the time to push the toast in before he drops the toaster into the bathroom. <laughs> yep.
2: But that's how you turn the electricity that on, That is right? comedy. Yeah, that is a comedy genius. If you don't
5: do that, the heating coils aren't getting power.
1: Yeah, but it's still an electrical the appliance <laughs> dropped in the middle of water. You gotta, you gotta, you know. Prime it. Yeah, something like that. The
0: toast is very important, Steve. It's very important to the... No. The, uh, I think he's just curious as to
1: what will happen if he, you know, if the toast is made while he's being electric. He's but done of course, it five hundred times. Can check it he's out. He's done, done next it five
2: hundred time. times before this, and this is the best way to do it. He's yeah. determined.
0: The first time he did it without the toast and it didn't work, so then he does the <laughs> toast this time. So. But, so, yeah, yeah, the
1: toast fell out and it blocked the toaster from, uh, you know, landing in the bathtub. And
2: wow. <laughs> yeah. someone, in someone in the chat room said that toast is the most conductive. Part of
0: the wet said, toast bridges, bridges the gap. The gap. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's exactly it. I think they figured it out. The chat room uh, should have their own podcast. Yes, um, They should. The, the, the involving toast. I, I do. I do feel to circle back to where we started. Um, as unlikely as it is, I do think this is actually one. Uh, I think this is a monumental film. I think this is one of my favorites. And I, I think you could art. You could make a strong argument that is. It is in the. You know, you can pick a number, but it is among the the great films because it is not only funny, but it is meaningful and it is of it is it is itself. It is this unique, amazing thing. And, and it's uh, clever. Yeah. And I, I like a lot of movies. Like I would I would never say that Real Genius, which is one of my very favorite movies of all time, is among the great films uh, that have ever mm-hmm. been made. But Groundhog Day. I think it is one of the great films that have ever been made. I really really do.
1: I'm excited here, here. about the fact that this is one of the great comedies from my youth that I can actually show the kids. Oh yeah. I haven't I've done heard. it yet, but I mean this is a it's a PG rated film and oh, the my only kids reason it's it is rated PG is for thematic elements, which yes. means probably the segment where he commits suicide repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I there isn't a single thing in here where I have to, you know, like cough to cover up a word or Well, there's there's
0: the suggestions of 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 sex and of but they're pretty right tame. but they I mean, are exactly rolling right. around making out kind of stuff. exactly right? if you if you are old enough to get what they're about you're old enough to watch the movie <laughs> <laughs> because younger than that you won't get it so it won't matter um i'm, I'm more concerned
1: about the use of the the phrase gobbler's knob than i yeah. am. I, <laughs> I have that in my notes too <laughs> i don't get the final line of the film i just want to say that what's the final line well, the the, the, the let's live rent. here. Let's rent. Is great. We can we can, we rent. can rent to start. Yeah. Is yeah. the follow up and mm-hmm. I there's a joke in there. I don't get it.
5: The, the joke is that he doesn't. Although he has accepted the city, he's not accepted
4: permanence yet. Let's keep our options open. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can. Well, yeah, but how does now. that
1: apply to what's gone before? It doesn't. Or may,
2: maybe he just realizes how weird it is that he just tried to get someone who. He's been with for a day to buy a house with him <laughs> I, I, <laughs> so well, he that, that,
0: that maybe may i I think it's kind of a joke about about the the fact that he spent ten thousand years in this town, and so he doesn't want to fully commit to staying, which is just bizarre i don't, I don't know. know i but I, I, you're right, Steve it's like a joke that's not a joke it's like let's
1: live here is great if it had yeah, ended on mm-hmm. let's live here I'd have been happy <laughs> and and I actually had forgotten that there was the the follow up there, but it's if If you're going to end on a line that's a joke like that, you should end on a line that's really applicable to the themes of the movie, and to me, it's just kind of
5: not well, I like that he's not willing to commit to the place yet, like let's try it out for I've a little only
1: have <laughs> only been here ten thousand days well, exactly I'd, maybe I'll get I'm sick of sold it next on week yet. Yeah.
2: Well, I think he's sold. I mean, I think to him, Punxsutawney's become home, right, but and he doesn't
0: want to freak out Rita.
2: Yeah, exactly. I just think that he's it's home for him now, but it's definitely yeah. not for her.
0: Weird. Yeah. Weird. You're right. It is mm-hmm. it is kind of a weird. I think it's funny because it is that undercut of like he's, "Let's live here. We'll rent. We'll just, we'll just try." Yeah. it." But it's just it's mm-hmm. he backs off of
1: it. But, you know. Yeah. Well, perhaps it's just uh he's he's not entirely gone over to the uh do-gooder lifestyle. There's still a little bit of little bit of the rogue to His
0: him. ongoing banter with the, the the groundhog is great. Yeah. That groundhog is extremely
2: cute. Yeah. Don't drive angry. Don't drive don't angry. Don't drive angry. You're doing pretty well for a cu- quadruped. Yeah. That, Apparently, yeah. according
1: to the uh, the commentary, seconds after that, don't drive angry. The the groundhog turned around and bit a chunk out of his hand <laughs> through the leather gloves he was wearing. He right. so, to, the he the, the spin
5: he puts on just the line, the second, don't drive angry, don't drive angry. It's
1: really, <laughs> yeah.
5: really good.
1: Yeah. 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 I would I would put I would say this is probably Murray's best work. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, mm. that's hard to say. There's so many good ones. I really like uh obviously I like Ghostbusters. I really like him in Quick Change. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I I really like Quick Change actually. I think that's one of his best movies. But I like, you know, what kind of clown are you? The crying on the inside kind, I guess. I, I like him in that.
1: Uh um, I like him in I like him in Rushmore, but I feel like he's kind of one note there. Yeah. He's, yeah, it's he's a good, just note. playing the broken schlub. It's a really which, good note. But I mean, that's that's like his standard note. Well,
0: know? it was more of a revelation when he played it in Rushmore. He's played it in every movie
5: since Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I liked him in Steve Zissou doing
1: the same thing. Right. Well, he kind of plays it here, too. I mean, it's it's been his sort of Lost in translation. Operandi.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. It's good. It's a good note. But so
5: we agreed. His best movie is Stripes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like Stripes. That's so a good movie. I. I like Stripes a lot. It's a good movie. I, this might be Harold Ramis's best moment too, although I still hold out that Caddyshack might be better. But Caddyshack does not have the, the <laughs> sort of spiritual elements. Right. And the, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you really know. just like him as neurologist. <laughs> yeah, his his bloated cameo, which reminds me so much of the bloated cameo in Elf, where John Favreau yes. shows up as a doctor for a few seconds. <laughs> yes, it's the same.
5: It's the it's the doctor cameo. It's really impressive to look at this next to Caddyshack, where Caddyshack is barely organized and is just overrun with people improvising and throwing out the actual plot and then you look at you look at groundhog day which is so tightly plotted and so you can't really vary anything i, I and apparently i, I cuz i do think this movie
0: obviously such a great critical success uh, it it just it works and yet apparently there was, during the making of this movie, a falling out between Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. And until shortly before Harold Ramis died, they basically didn't speak, which is... Really? Yeah, which is really mm-hmm. sad. Nobody know, Nobody seems to know why. Um, and I, I think that happens a lot with things involving Bill Murray. Nobody In seems the, to, uh, to know why. In the
1: interview with him on the DVD, he has nothing but good things to say about Bill Murray, so
0: yeah i I, I get Maybe the sense it was a one-sided kind i of thing. yeah I get the sense that bill Murray had something that really bugged him we don't know but but I did read that before um fairly shortly before when, when it was clear that Harold Ramos was very ill um that they that they spoke and they they uh, kind of buried the hatchet, which is which is good. But that is good. It is a shame because what a collaboration! I mean, mm-hmm. again, Ghostbusters is one of my very favorites, and then this is a you know mm-hmm. this is this spectacular movie, and and uh, they they both deserve a lot of credit for it. As does Danny Rubin, who who wrote a book called How to Write Groundhog Day, <laughs> which tells the story of the. <laughs>
5: did the makers of edge of tomorrow read that
1: <laughs> I do wonder how much of this is really his original script and how much of it is is Ramis well, well in the in, his script is in the
0: book apparently is it really so yeah it's the story of of uh, the screenplay and the the process of getting it from from screenplay to screen and how it changed and and all of that is is apparently
1: in in the book I haven't read I it might it, have to pick that up read about and read it. It. yeah I'm intrigued the, uh, by the, it myself the, the, in this interview he talks about how you know he, he picked up the script and he did all these things with it and the way he phrases it is then I I rewrote it <laughs> <Yeah. So. laughs> well i get the sense that ruben was involved
0: to a certain degree and that they, right. the,
1: it was it was a conversation that they kept having about it that, that could be i just wonder how much of his original script actually survived and given his other yeah. filmic output you know compared to what uh, harold ramus produced over his lifetime it, yes. it just makes me oh, wonder how much absolutely I, agree completely but you know sometimes you catch lightning in
0: a bottle you... I, yeah absolutely and this, there's a really cute groundhog on the cover of How to Write
1: Groundhog. Day. Well, that I'm sold. Check that out. <laughs> I can't believe this hasn't been mentioned yet. Strike up the music the band has begun <laughs> do, 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 do. The, the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania polka, polka. Do, 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 do. very nice pick polka pick your, your partner, partner
0: and join in
1: the fun. fun
0: oh Erica doesn't that remind you of home <laughs> the
3: Pennsylvania <laughs> there's lots of polkas in Wisconsin there right? are so many polkas I, the, the funny thing is is Stephen didn't he'd never heard that song before and he thought it sounded kind of creepy I was like you've never heard the Pennsylvania polka and, and then I was like oh that's right the great <laughs> I, I come from Milwaukee but I
4: love how we get deeper and deeper into this and the more uncomfortable he gets the the polka gets this reverb on the reverb yeah creepy Mm -hmm. and creepier and creepier
3: yeah that was that was what steven didn't like he thought he thought it sounded like a polka being played through the speakers at the overlook hotel Mm -hmm. because it was just i just found it very creepy it does you know we actually we used to sing the uh we used to sing the pennsylvania polka in elementary school in music class memories and you weren't even in pennsylvania nope nope
2: amazing Wisconsin has adopted polka. All polka
0: is for Wisconsin. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Well, so Erica and Dan, you're were, you're were both Midwesterners. It strikes mm-hmm. me Western Pennsylvania uh, my family is from my mom's side of the family. is from Western Pennsylvania, and I've argued in the past that it is more Midwestern than Eastern. There are a lot of people who think that Eastern Pennsylvania is just an Eastern state, but but uh, regardless of that, I mean, this movie it is this is a Midwestern town. It was shot in Illinois, right? It it's got the mm-hmm. polka. That that do you guys have any? I mean, does does this resonate with you? Because it is it is this little slice
3: of kind of classic Midwestern town. Yes. Absolutely. I've been to so many church festivals and, you know, town things like that, that, that is true to life. You know, we get the little, the little diner restaurant with the same people in there every day. And, you Mm -hmm. know, the, the, the line about what would you do if every day was the same and you were stuck in one place and nothing you did mattered. Yeah. I know a lot of people their entire lives that way. It's like, welcome
2: to grade school. Um, yeah, yeah, know. I mean, Mm I, I, I went to high school and grew up later in life outside of Chicago, but when I was younger, it was this kind of town, right, uh-huh. where the small town square where everyone knows each other. There's like you know, a hundred people in in your high school, and everybody knows everyone else's business. Yeah, it, it, it's totally a midwestern type of a uh, film rather than than eastern. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I, Punxsutawney again. Like I said, Western Pennsylvania, especially. It is. Yeah. It is a a mixture. It is much more midwestern than you might think. Or you know, right there by the Ohio border. But um, this this to me even feels like, you know, it, it's fitting that they shot it in Illinois because it feels a little more like that than it does like Western Pennsylvania. But
2: well, well Ramus was saying that they were actually driving around Chicago area just looking for sites and stuff, and they were pulled through into Woodstock and pulled up into the town square to get coffee, and they stepped out and they all kind of looked around. And they're like, "Yep, huh? This is it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it looks just like that. I can." Except with the plaques now telling Except you. Except now
0: they have this Ned, Ned Ryerson's yeah. corner here.
2: Was it the Pennsylvania Hotel or something like that? Yep. The, uh, the, one that, the one that Andy McDowell stayed at? Oh, right. Do they purposely keep
5: a pothole right there where Ned Ryerson they, fell they off should, the... Uh, I, I <laughs>
0: find myself wondering, you know, they who got to jackhammer out the pothole to create the slush <laughs> yeah. puddle.
1: For uh, There's a story there.
0: I'm sure there is. Like the bonus material on the DVD. I found a
1: couple more quick notes. Okay. Lay on of all, me. <laughs> th- my, well, this my, is just uh, a
5: plan for killing the president.
1: We'll skip that for now. <laughs> <laughs> for now, we'll get back to that bonus track.
0: That's more bonus track <laughs> material.
1: My favorite early uh, Mean Phil moment is uh, is on the first day when he encounters the old beggar. He does the thing where he pretends to feel for his wallet, and then he walks on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on the second day, even though he's in the midst of this near panic where he's realizing what's going on, he does it again. Yes. It's just, it's completely part of his character, part of his being that he fakes out the, the guy begging for money and mm-hmm. doesn't give him anything. And then uh, last thing, does the black bartender whose job seems to be just to shake his head at people, does he know what's going on?
5: Oh, I Is wondered he hip that, to it? too. You think he's the magical angel who spends 10,000 years standing there saying, when is this jerk going to ask me why I keep shaking my head?
1: And he never actually gets noticed? <laughs> There's got to be a reason why his whole purpose is to like look at and kind of smirk and shake his head <laughs> and go back to wiping his glass. His he does job. it no matter what happens around him. That's true. Maybe that's just it. Maybe he
0: just does that no matter what happens around him. That's his character,
5: he's also stuck in this day, but he gave up a long time yeah. ago i like I like that
0: <laughs> well, I mentioned replay that's one of the one of the things that's interesting about the novel replay is that he um he discovers as he goes there are some other people who are also replaying from various times who have frames of reference that nobody should know in that time and I, I, that is something that's interesting in this movie where he doesn't have he doesn't have anybody again it's a very short time scale but that's uh that's kind of a fun moment in that book where they actually take out a uh, classified ad in like the New York Times in the early 70s where they list a whole bunch of facts about things that happen in the future hoping that they can draw out other people who remember the future, um, they just get
5: crazy people. As it turns out, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Edge of Tomorrow being more explicitly a riff on these concepts has somebody who used to have this problem but doesn't anymore. Ah. So mm-hmm. several times, Tom Cruise has to go to that person and say, I, "I have that thing you had. Uh, uh, this, I tell you this. Okay, let's move on." And while they're still standing there, goggle eyed. He has to push them to move the plot along. Uh,
1: is that the movie they changed the name of so they could sell DVDs? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, it, okay. it's a
5: pretty good movie, but nobody went it. To see it. So now it's called Live Die Repeat.
2: Yeah, yeah. that it, was supposedly the original name. Of well, it, is, the, it was
0: it was All You Need Is Kill was the was the name of the the book that yeah. it's based on, and that's mm-hmm. a better name too. And they changed it to Edge yep. of Tomorrow, which was a yeah. really bad name, and it was really a flop, bad. and it got good reviews, and people everybody likes it, and it was just poorly marketed. So they yeah. they they basically mm-hmm.
5: retitled it. For the marketing of the of the video version. It's fun watching Tom Cruise turn into an action hero over several cycles and it's fun how brutal that movie is And saying, well, it's time to start a new cycle. Shoot in head.
2: Yep. Why couldn't I have lived that day over and over? Uh, I do like that. <laughs> was it making love like sea otters? Yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah you oh, never man. On... Do you know how otters make love? They are f- – horrifying little Monty
1: no why don't (laughs) why do you because they don't answer that (laughs) okay (laughs) gosh I wish we could all live in the mountains yeah
3: at high altitudes at high altitudes yeah that's where I
1: see myself in five Five years years.
3: Mm -hmm. I'll give you a winter prediction it's going to be cold it's going to be gray and it's going to last you the rest of of your life
1: (laughs) so good it's going to be a long winter Mm
3: -hmm.
0: all right well we've reached the end or have we? No, we can <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, um, I'd like to thank my guests for coming on and talking about Groundhog Day. Chip Sutter, thanks for being here.
4: Jason, this podcast captured the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Erica
4: Ensign, thank you.
3: Thank you. I was glad to be able to be here, even though it was the end of a very long day. Very
0: long day. Funny how that is. Monty <laughs> Ashley, thank you very much. I could watch this movie again and again. (laughs) Dan Frakes, thanks for being on. Is it too early for flapjacks? (laughs) Uh, Steve Lutz, thank you very much.
1: Okay, campers, rise and shine. And don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there. This is Uh, where you restart the podcast from the beginning.
0: Morons, (laughs) your bus is leaving. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening to The Incomparable. We will see you next time.
3: The Incomparable,
2: number 232, Groundhog Day, 2015.
0: Welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell.
1: Tonight we're going to be talking about Groundhog Day. I think we're in the suicide loop at this point. Just put your little hand in mine.
3: There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. You can't plan a podcast like this. Well, you can. It just takes a
1: lot of work. Why is it Sunny singing that line? His hand has to be at least half the size of shares. <laughs> for that
5: matter, why is it Sunny outside? It's six a.m. on February second.
3: Oh. <laughs> hmm. Good point. Oh, great! You've ruined this for Now me. the movie is ruined.
5: Oh my
0: God! That's
1: it. Why didn't he ever stay up past six a.m. in this movie? I wondered about that too, and I, I figured that's he what probably he did. did. When,
5: he in, when he was in bed with Andy McDowell, didn't he? No, so, he fell asleep. Yeah.
1: Midnight. Well, one presumes he falls asleep. Well, I think that's time. what
0: happens is is you can't they just pull ma- he the can't plug and he starts over. Yeah. He just mm-hmm. there's a moment of lost consciousness and then boop at six o'clock again.
1: Yeah, they could have had a scene where things, you know, jump cut to him back in the bed that would have clarified that for me.
4: It was ninety it was ninety three. Did they do jump
1: cuts back then? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. It's not a lot of lens flare in this movie either. No. Mm. <laughs> So the thing that bugs me most about Andy McDowell is the fact that she's she seems to be, like, turning on a dime between good-natured goofiness and just seething anger.
2: Are we really doing this podcast again? <laughs>
5: <laughs> it really confuses me. Now, wait a minute, Steve. You do that all the time. <laughs> well,
1: that's me. <laughs> yeah,
0: not... Not Andy McDowell.
1: No, it's it's weird. One second she's she's like good naturedly laughing along with the comment that Phil makes, and then in the next she's like, no. She's suddenly extremely angry with him. Are you drunk or something? It's because she's a terrible actress. I think that a, might be it. In a it's trapped in a good movie. I think you may have you may have hit the nail on the head there. I feel bad mm-hmm. this is
0: this is I'm glad nobody on the podcast, profess their undying love for uh, for, for no. Annie McDowell, as as no. Erica expressed her her in enjoyment of Michael Bean and The Terminator.
3: Episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, why are you say terrible things? I, I will stand up for Michael Bean, but I I I too can't stand Annie McDowell. Oh. But she's in she's in this, which is one of my all time favorite yeah, movies. I, I love Sex Lies and Videotape and and Four Weddings and a Funeral oh. for very different reasons. I'm
5: on board with all of those. Plus, I really do like Hudson Hawk a lot.
0: She loves rhinestones and living at high altitude and French romantic poetry. And I just I take all of her traits as being satirical comments on what an awful actress and how I don't like her. It is because I don't <laughs> like her character. I don't like the things she likes. I don't find them romantic or attractive in any way. And the fact that he learns them, I find
5: laughable. But again, I love the movie. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that Sweet Vermouth on the Ice is good? I mean, no. No. No, you haven't tried it, have you? No one has. No one would. <laughs> no.
1: I think you forgot. I think you forgot the twist, Jason. With, the with twist, that's what what it makes, makes it. it. You're right. You're right. What's with a the twist. Secret. Uh, no, sweet, sweet. From a, by itself is is execrable. That
0: is a great moment, by the way, just to look at Bill Murray's aghast expression <laughs> when he, when she orders it, <laughs> and then when he oh. tastes it
3: on the well, second drink. It, it, yeah. It.
0: Oh yeah, that's a beautiful. And he, thing.
1: Like the very first scene where you see her, where she's doing the green screen thing. Yeah. She's she's just so <laughs> hateful. She hasn't even said anything, and yet she's. Yeah. <laughs> <doop-doop-doop-doop. laughs> oh, this green screen! I can't <laughs> believe how hilarious this is. Oh, and then she like does the little hand thing to fill. I like, can't believe you get to do this every day. It's the best. All
0: right. Well, I guess I guess that's that's it. I guess we're done. Where we keep waiting for it to repeat and. Uh. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Uncomfortable <laughs> Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And joining us today are. No, I was on.
2: hoping it would be tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? <laughs> yes. I'm about, I'm about to get out my toaster. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Can expect hazardous travel later today with that, you know, that uh, that blizzard thing. Oh, that blizzard thing. Mm. That blizzard thing. Oh, well, here's the report. The National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard
0: thing. Yes, they are. But,
2: you know,
5: there's another reason why today is especially exciting. Especially cold. Especially cold, okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, their chap lips. On their chap lips, right. Do you think... Phil's gonna come out and see his shadow. Punk's a tawny Phil. That's right, woodchuck-chuckers. It's Groundhog, groundhog Day. Day. Get up and check that hog out there. Yeah. Come here, Groundhog. <laughs>